Welcome back to another episode of 10 Minute Miracles with Read the Right Way. Each week, the English department will be sharing their top tips for demonstrating key GCSE skills. So get ready to transform your listening into learning. Hi everybody, it's Miss Holmes here. And Miss Child. And today we're going to be talking to you about writer's intentions, which is something you are going to want to consider in your both your literature and language exams, although what we are looking today at has more of a literature focus, I would probably say. More of a literature focus, absolutely, but the skills can be transferred and should be transferred when you are considering your language papers, because as you know as your teachers would have told you there is so much crossover in the skills okay so we're going to start with thinking about the basic of writer's intentions and that means thinking about when you're reading a text what are the messages and the themes that an author wants to convey so we'll start by talking about never let me go so the author of never let me go um kazu ishiguru the themes and messages that he is aiming to get across in his writing are to do with identity, but to be more specific, to show slightly higher level thinking and a bit more depth in our thinking. He is looking at the fragility of identity. Absolutely. That phrasing in itself, you know, just saying the theme of identity, you're not wrong. But it's not perceptive, it's not sophisticated. The idea that identity is fragile and emotional and personal, and if that's taken away from you, is much more perceptive than simply saying, the identity of Cathy, da-da-da-da, much more perceptive. So we can identify that writer's intention by being aware of the themes and the motifs that appear in the narrative. And then... It's not just enough to state that you know what the writer's intention is. You need to also be able to provide evidence of that. So again, and I'm really sorry to anyone who's doing Anita and me, but me and Miss Child don't teach it, so we don't know (laughs) anything about it. But when we're talking about Never Let Me Go and the fragility of identity, we could then link that to the fact that Ishiguru uses a first-person perspective in his writing. We could imagine that one day he woke up and thought, oh, I'm going to write a story today and, you know, (laughs) picked a card. I know what would be fun. (laughs) It's a Thursday. Let's (laughs) let's wake up and do some writing. Now, when he sat down to do that writing, I suppose it could just be a coincidence that he wrote in a first-person perspective. But actually, this is a guy that has won a ton of awards for his Mm. writing. So we'll credit him with a little bit more thought than that. And actually, when he came to decide how he was going to structure his writing, there's a very good chance that he thought, actually, if I write this from a first-person perspective... I can convey my intentions in terms of theme to my audience, to my readers in a more effective way. Because by writing in a first person perspective, my intentions are more intimate with my audience. Um, Absolutely. Could you imagine talking about identity from that third person perspective? It's so, you're so removed. Yeah. And his intention in writing in a first person perspective also, um, you can consider 
how much of that narrative is made up of memories and of flashbacks. So if if his intention is to present a text where a lot of the ideas are based around identity, how fragile identity can be, how we strive to find an identity, his intention of making that theme really, really clear is enhanced by his use of first-person perspective. So our first tip for thinking about the writer's intention is considering the messages and themes they want to convey and how they go about conveying those messages and themes. That leads us very nicely, I think, into the second point. Um, Our second top tip for thinking about writer's intentions is consider who they were aiming their writing at. And what emotion do they want you to feel as a result of what you're reading? And I think the best example we can give for this is through your poetry. Poetry is incredible. It's so rich because it's human experience shortened out in whatever format is really heightened. And when you're reading that, when you're looking at your poems, what emotions are you supposed to feel? What do they want you to think, to feel, to do as a result of reading the particular poem or extract. So um, my group will know one of my favourite poems in the conflict anthology is The Man He Killed. And when studying The Man He Killed, it's one of my favourite poems because of the use of punctuation to show the conflicted internal feelings, to show the confusion that you must feel, to have someone's life in your hands, that immediate sense of power and control that you have in the split second decision you have to feel it when I read that poem I feel overwhelmed with the sense of guilt that that speaker must be feeling and I genuinely think that's what Thomas Hardy wants you to feel that's why he wrote that poem and just to give a bit of balance I'll talk about um one of the poems from the love and relationships cluster which is Tony Harrison's long distance Two. This poem is incredibly accessible because it has a a simplistic rhyme scheme, but the rhyme scheme only works if you speak in the same colloquial northern accent that Tony Harrison would naturally speak in. So his intention there is not just to have you think like him, it's also to have you speak like him. So we could talk about, if we were analysing Long Distance 2, how Harrison uses rhyme to force the reader to speak in the same way as him. So the intention is to establish closeness, uh, intimacy, uh, empathy with the readers, and that's achieved through that particular study of rhyme. And so that, that's that's pretty amazing, and that's one of the reasons why poetry is a great opportunity for you to talk about the intentions that a writer may have. Okay, and then our final kind of area that we would maybe look at when we're considering a writer's intentions is context. Now, we have um, a podcast on context that's already been done, um, so do feel free to have a look at that. Um, but hopefully this demonstrates how... All of these elements that we're doing these podcasts on are actually linked to one another. But to think about how it links to considering the writer's intentions. Look at Shakespeare, for example. If we consider how Shakespeare is trying to convey certain ideas, we can use our contextual knowledge of when he wrote uh, and the fact that he creates the character of Banquo with all Banquo's noble characteristics, um, how he 
links that to King James's ancestry. You know, that's Absolutely. a really powerful way of saying to the king, "Hi, I'm this, uh, you know, I'm this this writer, and I'd really like you to come and see my plays because it really helps with the old uh, the old uh, gate tickets um, <laughs> if they know you're going to be there." Absolutely. So here, look at this play. I have mentioned you essentially by creating the character of Banquo. And just a little bonus on how Shakespeare uses his contextual. Well, you can't really call it contextual because it wasn't context for him. It was just his, his life. life. Yeah, it was yeah. just his experiences. But in terms of how he further uses his life experience to inform his work and therefore inform his intentions as a writer, he makes the witches in Macbeth an incredibly key part of the narrative and he makes their prophecies really credible. Why does he do that? Is it just because witches are pretty cool and interesting? Is there an element of people are interested in the supernatural? Yeah, all of those things are true. But more importantly, King James himself was a huge believer in witchcraft. Naturally, yes, that informs his writing. Of course it does. And yes, Shakespeare wants to create you know, beautiful art, but he is also incredibly savvy. He's one of the few um, really well-established artists that doesn't die bankrupt and alone. And one of the reasons for that is because he was incredibly shrewd. He knew that if he could get the monarch of the time in to see his play, more people would see it. So, Mrs Holmes, exactly everything you've said about context can also be applied to your poetry and your modern novel. Of course people are influenced by the lives around them. And it's completely acceptable, if necessary and relevant, to include this when talking about the writer's intentions. So, to summarise, when you're considering the writer's intentions, think about the messages and themes that that artist wants to convey. And we can think of them as artists because they want to manipulate us and make us think in a certain way, which then links us to our second point. Consider the audience response that a writer is aiming for. And then finally, if it's relevant, consider the contextual factors that might have an impact on the way a writer forms their text. And I think that's about it. I think it is. 